0: You are listening to The Cumberland Road, and I'm your host, TJ Melanosky. Bobby Sperling shares his faith journey with me on this episode. He is the minister at the Hopkinsville-Cumberland Presbyterian Church in Kentucky. Bobby talks about his inquisitive search for religious meaning and for peace and how he was influenced by the Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, and Catholic, finding his home in the Cumberland Presbyterian Church through his wife. His journey includes doubts, questions, ministry, letter writing, and watching movies through the eyes of faith. Enjoy this conversation with Bobby Sperling. What one defining characteristic helps define Bobby Sperling?
1: I mean, I would say, I don't know if a characteristic, but I'm a, I'm a very loyal person. Um, I think that's something that me and my wife share. And, um, I try to be loyal to the Lord. I try to be loyal to, uh, my church family and to those around me. And, um, I think. Uh, that would be a characteristic that people would recognize in me. I, I would hope, I mean, um, you know, it's weird when you're answering this question about yourself, but, <laughs> <I know>. uh,
0: <laughs> but it, you know,
1: I would hope that would be, uh, something that somebody would say about me as I'm loyal.
0: Yeah. So, it is hard to talk about ourselves, especially if we're doing uh, you know, like a quality or a characteristic. Have you, um, is a loyalty a gift or is it a skill? What do you think?
1: I think it's both. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I think you have to, you have to have a gift to, um, to do it to a certain extent, but it's, it's also a skill. It's something that you have to learn and you have to hone. You have to take your time um, and learn how to be, you know, learn what's hurting other people. You know, what, what somebody might see as disloyal. Um, Mm. I, I had a church member one time. I, uh, accidentally did not shake their hand at the end of service and because um, they call or no is before service. I usually stood at the front of the door before COVID and shake everybody's hand as they came in and being a pastor uh, you get called away no matter what time right. <laughs> if there's some kind of emergency in the church and I was about to shake her hand and they called me away and she took it as an offense. And so I had to figure out what was going on. And, and, you know, once we hashed it out, you know, for her, it was very important that I made sure that I shook her hand. And so, you know, um, loyalty is learning about other people, learning um, what they define as loyal as well. Because, I mean, it's not just what I define as being loyal. You have to know where people's hearts and minds are I mean to to be truly loyal to your flock i mean and 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 is there things that that of course, I'm not going to always agree hundred percent with people of course, um, but uh, as much as I can, you know, I want to be loyal to those around me. I want to be loyal to my wife, I want to be loyal to my kids. I want to be loyal to my church family, and most of all, I want to be loyal to Christ, my king so
0: yeah i I hadn't thought of this before loyalty takes at least two it takes you and then me or the other person right and it really it really is tied into trust and in that relational aspect and uh gosh it, it, it's constantly testing as well um testing what loyalty may what that looks like with each individual and what that looks like with god we talked about um it being, uh, you know, kind of a gift and a skill, uh, how far back do you, can you recall a memory or an experience of where, where that loyalty was tested or expressed? It didn't have to be tested.
1: Um, yeah. Um, me and my wife, we went through a very tough time, um, when I moved here to Hopkinsville, I'll just give one example. I can give multiple ones, but when I moved to Hopkinsville, it was a tough go because she, um, she was, had a school, she'd already signed a contract to teach at Maryville Christian, and she had to fulfill that year. Well, I left in November here to Hopkinsville, and so um, we had to keep uh, our relationship, you know, we basically had to keep things going, even over that distance span. And, and, you know, it took work, it took time, it took, you know, I, I wrote letters to my wife, because I knew that would be something that she would enjoy to receive, you know, and um just making sure that, um you know, I took the time to invest in that relationship, um, because it's, it's central, I, I, I don't believe I can be a good minister, and not be a good husband and father. I mean, I know, there's some historical people in the past who do that, but I don't believe that I can't. I believe that um, to be a good minister, you have to be a good husband and you have to be a good father. Uh, and, and, um, and I believe that Christ wants me to be those things. So when I'm trying to be loyal to my wife, I do that by making sure that I cut time out for her, even if we're apart. I don't know if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, Or if because, that's even a
1: good example. Um, but.
0: No, I think it is, Bobby, because you had that distance, that space. You know, you, you guys were in the same space daily. And then a calling and two vocations pulled that away. I thought it was really cool that you went old school and wrote letters. <laughs> I thought that was pretty neat.
1: Well, I just, you know, I, and I, I just thought it would be something that was special and different. I mean, who doesn't like to go to the mailbox and be surprised, you know, and, right. um, you know, I thought that was a way that I could sit down and I could collect my thoughts a lot better. And, you know, there was a lot of times where I'd be doing more ministry than I normally would because I had more time, but, mm. but when I did, have that time. And I did have a lot of time on my hands because when you don't have your wife and kids there, you got a lot of time. Um, I would make sure that I wrote my wife. I'd make sure that I tried to do things for my kids. So when they came up and visited that it would be a special experience for them.
0: How long were you apart?
1: So from November until May, um, and we've had to do things like that kind of along in ministry. It's a hard thing. Um, when I went to seminary, um, she had a rough go at her school that she was at. She was in a public school there, and she moved back to the public school she went to. And uh, I would travel to Asbury, which was in Kentucky, and she stayed in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. And so it was, um, you know, there'd be three or four days a week that I didn't see her, um, and I would commute back. And um, it just was important to, you know, it's always become an important thing to just cut out time and, and make her a priority. Yeah. Uh, You know, just like I cut out time every day for Jesus, I got (laughs) to cut out time for my wife as well.
0: There's something to be said where that loyalty and that intentionality, they really do go together. We have to be intentional. Right. Um, in, in all the relationships that we have. Well, Bobby, share with me a meaningful experience that you've had with God something that really just kind of resonates and, and, um, you feel comfortable in sharing.
1: Okay. I'm going to give just a little bit of my story. So that way I'll try to give the Reader's Digest version.
0: Sure. Yeah. Give Um, some context. Absolutely. Uh,
1: I was born and raised in Galtonburg, Tennessee. Um, we did not have Cumberland Presbyterian churches there. Uh, (laughs) I still do not to this day, just, just as a heads up. And so obviously I wasn't raised Cumberland Presbyterian. Um, I was raised. My mama was a Methodist and my dad was a Baptist, and so I kind of went to both churches growing up. But mostly went to the Baptist church. Um, they would come and pick us up and things like that. And um, and my mama was a Baptist, and I went with her to church as well. But anyways, um, um, when I was at my dad's church, um, I had a really rough understanding of who God was. Um, and this will kind of build on some of these other things that we've been thinking about to consider, but. Um, um they would preach like three sermons there and i and i don't i'm not knocking all baptists i'm just talking about this little tiny baptist church that where i came from and um they'd have turn and burn sermons they'd have uh culture is evil and the book of revelation um (laughs) but they had a really weird view of god like and um um like God wanted to kill you, like it was, it would be within God's purview and, and happiness to destroy you. But like Jesus loves you and kind of wraps you up and protects you from from the wrath of God. And and I get that. I, I get that we're we're sinners and we've we've committed sin against God. But I, I think it was kind of a gross mischaracterization. But so I came up to the altar one uh, Sunday and I came up out of fear, and I did feel like there was a slight change there. But I did not have a peace. I didn't have a peace. Um, fast forward a little bit. Um, well, just a couple of years, I, I got saved, and um, I was getting closer to high school age, and I wanted to know something about the Trinity. And I asked that pastor and 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 I don't blame him. he w- he was a plumber. He worked probably like 80, 90 hours a week. and this this little upstart kid having to ask questions and and wondering about God. Um, was probably not number one in his priority. Um, But anyways, um, I asked him about the Trinity and he he slapped me on the back and said, boy, you don't need to worry about the Trinity. You just need to have Jesus in your heart. You've already come up to the altar, so you're good. And I didn't feel good. (laughs) And I went through questioning and having doubts and, and wanting to know things. I even looked at other world religions. I always had my eye on Christ, but um, you know I did want answers and I felt like I couldn't get answers um, but once in a um, um, I was in a drama class in high school and these Baptists were like coming hard down on these Roman Catholic kids and I was like oh my goodness <laughs> and the Roman Catholic kids had answers for everything that they said and and I remember specifically one of them was like they're like you pray to Mary don't you?" And they go, no, we asked Mary to pray for us. And they're like, do you, they said, do you believe that Mary's in hell or in heaven? And of course they're like in heaven. And they're going, so you don't think that we can ask Mary to pray on our behalf? And they stumped them. And I was like, well, maybe they know about the Trinity. (laughs) And so I asked them and they gave me a pretty good answer. And I was like, wow. And I was like, can I go meet up with you guys? So I met up with them on Wednesday nights and they had catechism, and then they had youth group. Um, Well, they were like, you're too old, and we're almost at the finish line of catechism, but if you want to, we'll get a group of adults together, and we'll put you through the Rite of Christian Initiation as an Adult, RCIA, and so I was like, oh, this is great, so I met, up with the youth group every Wednesday night, and then I started going through RCIA, and I got like this understanding of God and theology uh, that I'd never gotten before. Like this idea that you know that God loved us, and and so this is where I have this encounter with God. I finally come to peace. You know, uh, one of the questions that you had brought up is you know your faith journey. I really love that. That's what they said. They said they said this is your journey with Christ, and I like that because you know, a lot of people think that you get saved and then that's the finish line. No, that's the beginning of the story. That's the beginning of the road. And so, you know, there they let me know that, hey, this is the beginning of the road. And, um, you know, I learned more about the Bible and things that I'd never thought about before. And I learned about theology. Theology became something very important to me. Um, Even at, you know, I, I think I was probably about 17, 18 at this time. And you know I eventually got baptized in, as a Roman Catholic, never been baptized in my life, got baptized as a Roman Catholic um, in March uh, March 22nd of 2002 and that was just a very meaningful thing because I knew that God loved me, I knew that God the Father loved me and, and I found I found it ironic because um, when I was in church we would often quote John 3:16 at the Baptist Church. And, and I was like, that God's just completely different than the one that I'm hearing in the sermons, you know, you know, the idea that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. You know, that the, the father loves me as well, you know, and, I, and I've, I've had a strained relationship with my father, but to know that God loves me and God loves me as father is um, just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so um, I, I just, it was this thing where I came to a peace. Um, I carried a lot of anger and hate in my life. And once I came to that relationship with Christ, it was as if, you know, I dropped it down. You know, I, I mean, literally, it is like kind of like the Pilgrim's Progress. You you carry these <laughs> burdens, just like John Bunyan's Pilgrim's You carry these burdens on your back. And then when you finally get to the realness of the cross, you lay them down. And I had a peace that went beyond understanding, and so to me that that was an even greater experience than the 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 experience that I had when I was ten years old. Um, this this idea that I knew that God loved me, that He called me to live a different life, and that I was supposed to be about kingdom building and being about His world, and you know making His world come on earth as it is in heaven. And so um, you know, it, it, it's just a, a, a different kind of mindset and. It really prepared me and helped me uh, for college because when I went to college um having this theology, having this firm belief in Christ really helped me because um well, I went to maribel College and i was i was at the time i i became i was a psychology major, but then I felt this call in my life, and you know they're the first ones who kind of that I believed that said, hey, you might need to be a um you you know they thought I was going to be a priest. Um, my wife wa- my wife made sure that I didn't happen. Uh, but uh, um, uh, you know but they saw that call in my life and my wife saw that call in my life. And so eventually I became a religious studies major. And at Maryville College, my faith came under attack. I mean, the, if you believe in a, um, the biblical uh, record or anything, then, then you're silly. Um, if you believe that Jesus actually physically bodily rose from the dead, um, you were considered silly. And, um, you know, uh, I was like, wow. I was like, this is a whole different world. Um, and I remember when things turned around completely, I had been listening to the professors and I was on board with everything. Um, I went to go see the Passion of Christ opening day in Maryville and um, my friend who uh, was my buddy uh, he stood me up that day and I saw my professors and they're like come sit with me that was like the, the you know a paramount uh, thing that happened in my life I went and sat with them and they laughed and jeered at the whole movie uh, they mocked it they said um you know Mel Gibson really needs to keep to making um Um, you know, uh, like Braveheart and things. Mm -hmm. And um, that's when I went and asked them individually. I didn't do this in front of class. I didn't want to embarrass them. I asked them if they believed that Jesus was the son of God. I asked them if they believed that, you know, Jesus was really resurrected. And that's where a lot of them would say, well, Jesus was the most filled with God as any human being. Or, you know, um, I don't believe he's resurrected, but, but he lives on in God's eternal camcorder of eternity or something. I mean, crazy uh, stuff. And I was like, wow, I am a lot different than these people. Um, but I still prayed for them and I love them. And I, I, I pray for my professors and I still love them to this day. Um, even though I didn't agree with them, but I was like, wow, this is, this is difficult. And so, so um, yeah,
0: let, let's, let's stay here for a minute. So yeah. you, I mean, you're a student, And it is the professor. So there's that. hmm, They're in authority over me. Yeah. 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 And, and you, you have these faith questions and, and clearly there's different perspectives. Right. I mean, so what's going on in your head? I mean, you, you want to, you want to pass the course. um, You want to be a good student and you're still, you're a young adult as well. I would imagine you can correct me if you're if I'm wrong. You're kind of looking for mentors and guides and examples in terms of just growing into adulthood and growing into a faith, right? So where did well, you find that that uh, foundation or solace or uh, direction or instruction or all the well above? and
1: it, <laughs> right? It, that's and as i said again kind of if i had not i don't i don't believe if i hadn't have become a roman catholic at that time and had that theology and had that underpinning i don't think i would i don't know that i would still be a christian today mm. um i'm just being honest with you i mean in, in all honesty if 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 all this stuff is just a joke and uh we're all going to get into heaven which is when almost all the professors believe universally then, then why would I waste my time reading or learning about any of this stuff, you know? But uh, if it is true, if it is what it's all about, then it's of the utmost importance. And so um, I had to make a decision of what I believed. And so I always looked for ways to pray for my professors and try to get them to think. Um, I, I had friends who were gung-ho Christians who would, bring the Bible to class and try to come at the professors. Uh, it got to such a point that they banned the Bible from class (laughs) from Christian
0: classes. (laughs) But, um, I always thought
1: these people are not our enemies. Um, they're people that we need to love and, and, and help them see, um, you know, how we view things. And, um, you know, I always looked at college, um, as a kid, as an open forum, as a place to juggle ideas, not not just to be um, a place of you know, we're supposed to be hashing out these ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't the case. I mean, usually it was very much, this is what we believe and This is what you have to go with. And, and, um, and I had a few classes that were open and, uh, and they were wonderful. Um, my Appalachian Christianity class was wonderful. They weren't like, Oh, you're stupid for believing any of this stuff. You know, it, that professor was an awesome professor. He would allow us free thought. Um, but in other classes we weren't allowed free thought but i still looked at them as worthy of being redeemed and and not not my enemies um trying to love on them you know um i had a professor who said that all life is like uh, an acorn and until you're an adult and produce other acorns that acorn is value you know without value and um you know and i said to the professor i said you know that's not true And he said, why do you say that? And I said, you have a young son. I said, you know that you love that son. You saying that he's of no worth until he's 20 years old and can think on his own? And he's like, well, no, no, not exactly. That's not what I'm trying to say. And and I wasn't trying to have gotcha moments, but I was trying to get him to think because I had to think about this stuff and I was trying to get him to think. And, and, you know, if I could get him to think just a little bit, then I was super excited about it. I mean, I always thought this was a place for discussion and debate and for us to think about deeper things. Um, I, I didn't know that it was just going to be like reading um, uh, Alfred North Whitehead and, and, and uh, Sally McFeg, and that's, that's, and what they say is the gospel. I didn't know that was the case. And so, um, I just didn't try to argue with my professors. I would ask them questions because I always thought questions was a better way to go about things than just saying that you're wrong. And in my papers, I tried to be a good student. I was a terrible student at Maryville College because they would say, how do you feel? What do you believe? And I would put what I believe. And I was like a straight, you know, like I was like B's and C's. Like in my theology, (laughs) everything else I was getting like A's and B's in, And my like my major i'm getting like c's and so i finally had to figure out that i had to say this is what you want me to say and i would put it that way i'd be like this is what you want me to say you want to know that i know this information um and then i'd put and i believe this mm-hmm. i i would fill up blue books it was crazy <laughs> but um but i mean those people are not bad people they just believe differently and i don't know i just don't know how they can hold on to their faith and and not believe Um, you know, any of it's true. And um, so
0: how did you, um, so you have the religious studies major and then these doubts. Yeah. What, what kept you going? I mean, why didn't you, well, why didn't you just go back to majoring in psychology?
1: I don't know. That's a very good question. (laughs) I, I, I mean, I guess I'm a glutton for punishment. I always thought, you know what, at least I'm here asking questions and I wanted to know what other people thought. But Mm -hmm. once I got through that, I was like, I was like, I want to go and get some refreshing thoughts. And so, you know, I mean, that's part of the reason I chose Asbury uh, or Asbury chose me. God chose me for Asbury. I don't know. I felt called (laughs) when I went there. Um, I know I felt just as called to go into Asbury as I felt called to go into ministry. It's so crazy, (laughs) but it was a, they were like a place where head and heart go hand in hand. And I was like, yes, I was like, this is me. And they were serious about the gospel. They were serious. You know, of course they would teach things the same. Um, I, I know this might be boring for some, some people who are not really in the, in the know, but like, you know the the documentary source hypothesis, JDEP. Um, the way it was taught was at Maryville College is you should you should not believe the Old Testament because it was edited, and um, you know uh, because it's edited you can't trust any of the words in it. And you know at Maryville or at um, Asbury it was like, well, you know it was edited, of course, but can't you see that the hand of the authors all through it? And like, it was a positive experience. It wasn't a negative. I retook classes. That's how apparently I'm a glutton <laughs> for punishment. As I said, I went through and retook the, my old Testament classes, my new Testament classes. I could have just taken a test and passed, but I was like, I was like, I want to hear what these people have to say.
0: <laughs> so uh, where are we in your faith journey in terms of connecting with the Catholic church? So you finished okay. up yeah, at Asbury. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess. That I, I'm probably, sorry. You finished it. We
1: need to, we need to tur- show where that turn happened. Right. Or, yeah. Yeah. I'm um, sorry.
0: You finished up at uh, Maryville.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, so with a religious I finished up at studies? Maryville. Oh yeah. Um, well I met my wife, um, Lee Scott at and ev- that time. And everything at, changed. Uh, everything changed. <laughs> uh, she was a lifelong Cumberland Presbyterian. She's like three or four. Gen- I mean like multi-generation Cumberland Presbyterian. <laughs> And I was like, so we would attend church together. We attended church together at both going to a mass and mm-hmm. going to Beaver Creek Cumberland Presbyterian Church in Knoxville.
0: <laughs> now, how did you Every two meet Sunday? How did you two meet?
1: We met at InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Um, she was a leader there. And, um, you know, and I love the Bible. And I because I wasn't as entrenched in things like. I had different takes on scripture. And so it it was really different. So she would be like, wow, he, he really is thinking about this stuff. And um, I just didn't, I guess I was lucky in the sense that I didn't have that. um, Some of the Sunday school things, some, some of the, some of the Sunday school isms I I came to the scripture with fresh eyes in a certain sense. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't just kind of like, I love Sunday school material, but sometimes like, if we don't ever grow out of like, some of the kiddiness of it, it it, it, like people sometimes never really get that David like killed Goliath, you know, they, they think he just like knocked him out with a stone and he walked away, you know, uh, that the Bible's kind of gritty and things.
0: So So I I don't know.
1: It it was just kind of a different. Yeah. Let
0: let me, let me help you out here. So you like, uh, studies that go a layer or two or three deeper and really take a look at, um, the the world of the text behind the text and and something something that may take more than forty five minutes of study to really get right. into it okay yes sir so, I don't want people listening going you know Bobby he despises Sunday school he's hungry for something, oh no no I love Sunday <laughs> school material you just have, we
1: just as as I don't know if it's because of people who leave the church and then come back eventually or what happens but but somewhere between middle school and high school, some of these kids who leave, they never get that, that fullness of understanding the scripture. And so of course it's not appropriate to hear, you know, about the violence and things that are happening in the old Testament or, you know, um, to really see that the evil that David done, you know, um, you know, We get the VeggieTales version of the little ducky and things like that. (laughs) Of course, those things are important for little kids, but you have to make that turn. So it's just important for us. Sunday school material is awesome, and it it does teach the the Bible. But once those kids get older, we have to make sure that we invest into giving them the whole Bible Mm -hmm. and letting them know that these people are really broken, flawed people who God uses. And, um, you know, I I don't think we get that. Sometimes people, I'll meet people who think that, like, none of the people in the Old Testament sinned. And I'm like, whoa, no, they they all did. (laughs) They all really messed up in one way or another, you know, be be it Abraham, Noah, Moses, all of them. And um, anyways, but.
0: So you you meet your wife or soon to be wife at InterVarsity there at (laughs) Maryville. Yeah. And she is the one who introduced you to this lovely denomination called Cumberland Presbyterians.
1: Yes, but we're two bullheaded people. So as I said, <laughs> <laughs> we we attended both mass and and the Cumberland Presbyterian church. Well, when we got closer to time when we decided that we were going to get married, we we decided we probably needed to go to a denomination that kind of hedged those two things. So we went to the ELCA Lutheran and um I'll just be brief in that. Um, um, The LCA went a different way than what we could believe. And so then we were looking for churches again. We went to the United Methodist for a little while. And then Lee just handed me uh, a confession of faith. And she goes, Bobby, read this. She goes, I'm not gonna. She goes, I know you're stubborn, just like me. And she goes, I know uh, how you are, uh, but just read this. And if you agree with it, um, just consider being a Cumberland Presbyterian, and she goes, if you disagree with it, she goes, I'm not going to bother you again with it, and so I went through, and I read the confession of faith uh, from front to back, um, all the theology, all the doctrine, um, the directory of worship, and um, I was like, I really agree with all of this stuff. I was like, it's, 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 um, important in the areas that are important. And, and, you know, in the area that I disagreed the most with the Roman Catholic church, it, it says in the first pages that uh, exactly um, uh, what I believe that all children who die um, are with the Lord. Um, that was one of the biggest rubs I had with the Roman Catholic church. I got into an argument with a priest that was when they kind of were like, maybe this guy should be a priest. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so- um. Because mm-hmm. you know the Roman Catholics, um, you know, I, and and I, as I said, I'm not going to disparage them uh, much because they they gave me a foundation, but um, I vehemently disagree with their view on children, and, and but that's why they're so against abortion, though, and it, and it makes sense why they are. They believe that all unbaptized babies who die um, go to limbo, and limbo is the not hot part of hell, um, and so that's a that's a very scary thing. And so, um, I vehemently disagreed with him on that, but, um, so when I came to the Cumberland church, it was kind of like a, a very much a breath of fresh air.
0: Can you recall from that first reading of the confession constitution, uh, rules of discipline, directory of worship rules of order, what stuck out?
1: Well, the theology I mean, just to be honest, if the theology didn't stick out, I probably wouldn't have made it to the rest of the, the <laughs> well, <that's> book. True. <laughs> and so the first twenty pages, I mean, before I'll let somebody become a member in the church, they have to read the first twenty pages of the Confession of Faith, mm. and because it's so important about what we believe about baptism, what we believe about um, infants, what we believe about um, you know, um, you know, and um, the resurrection of the dead um i did i kind of overviewed i, I kind of skipped over that um the first time going through it i always believed in the resurrection of the dead but um you know um you know one of my favorite authors really challenged me on that and um, And that's how he became my favorite author. I was like, you're wrong. You're wrong, N.T. Wright. (laughs) You're so wrong. (laughs) I went through the book, Surprised by Hope, and he's like, it's not about heaven. It's about the resurrection. He goes, if you go through the New Testament, there's a lot more that talks about the resurrection than just people going to heaven. And I was like, no, you're wrong, N.T. Wright. Um, I went through and reread the New Testament. And I was like, I'm going to prove him wrong. A- and I was very much proven wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. So you, you read the Confession of Faith from cover yes. to cover. And um, you, uh, you, you weren't disagreeable with it. So, no, um, I, I loved it. Yeah. So tell me more. So then you go to your wife and you go, what happened?
1: So at that point, um, I told her that I was, I was on board. I was like, um, I'm ready to be part of the Cumberland Presbyterian church. And, um, so for the next, um, years, you know, I went to Beaver Creek. I attended Beaver Creek. Mm -hmm. Um, I did my, uh, internship at Beaver Creek. We had to do, um, an internship for seminary and, um, you know, Um, we went there. I went and got involved in the life of the church there, was involved with Bible study and um, all all aspects of that, so uh, I really enjoyed um, going to Beaver Creek, um, and I had before as well, but now I had a new fervor about it, and I knew who I was, and I knew who I wanted to be, and so um, I began the process of becoming a candidate, uh, even though I think I was in like year one or two of seminary, year one, I think, and um, I became a candidate, and then um, I think I was licensed my senior year of seminary, and then I was ordained the following uh, November after that, May, or something like that, or not November, but um, uh, February, so it was exciting stuff. Uh, it was very exciting. And, and I've had a lot of mem- mentors in the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. I mean, Thomas Sweet taught me how to write a funeral sermon. And I had no idea about how to do that, I, you know, and, and how to do it with people. You know, you don't think about this when you're going through seminary, but there's going to be people that you don't know anything about. You don't have a clue anything about them. How do you uh, pull things from people's lives? um, and represent them in, in this, in this last message that goes out before, um, a, as the family, um, has a memorial of their life, you know, and a celebration of their life. And, um, so, you know, Thomas taught me how to do that, how to ask probing questions, how to do those kind of things. And, um, you know, I wish I was half as good a speaker as Thomas was, but, <laughs> you know, so there's a little envy there, but, uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And Lee's, um, father has been a mentor to me um he showed me how to be a pastoral counselor he's he was a chaplain for years and years and years uh, and now he's serving a little church but he showed me how to uh minister to people and how to um listen to their hurts and how sometimes to shut my big mouth <laughs> and just listen and and i mean i learned some very valuable valuable lessons from from him about how to do ministry with people in the hospital and and who were
0: um, okay. it not it, it great to have folks like Reverend Scott and Reverend Sweet. And, yes. you know, you were talking earlier about, I mean, I just see this, uh, young, younger Bobby really just seeking and, and seeking out people and roles of authority or different places and not finding it. And maybe that's where that loyalty comes in that you were talking about earlier. You were... <laughs> you're loyal to the the curiosity and the seeking of meaning in a relationship with god and and life and well i'm i'm glad you found that um solace and comfort and a place to exercise your your beliefs and your ministry in the cumberland presbyterian church because it sounds like you have you got a little bit of baptist methodist roman catholic church Um, education under your belt, and then you've just, oh, Lutherans. Yeah. So I'm glad you've landed here.
1: (laughs) I I feel blessed that I'm part of this denomination, so.
0: Well, we've talked quite a bit about the past. What is it about this Christian faith that, that just keeps you coming back, that just keeps you coming back to God? Because you definitely have had some discouragements along the way. Um, yeah, I kind of alluded to this earlier with a question, but you've had plenty of opportunities to just kind of be on the peripheral, maybe some of like those folks that you mentioned earlier in terms of growing up in church and then, and then leaving and then maybe coming back. What, what is it that made you never really leave?
1: Well, I mean, I, I do believe that like, In all honesty, I believe that my mama almost prayed me into ministry. She was a faithful woman of God. Um, She prayed often and she read scripture and sang hymns every day. And from when my parents got a divorce when I was about 10 years old, I was in her house every day. And she may have not had answers for me. Um, She was very simple in her faith, but she always praised God and God was always with her. And I wanted. What she had. And when I finally got that, when I when I got Christ with me, I can go through anything. I can go through any struggle in life because I know that Christ is with me. Um, my favorite verse of all time is Matthew 28, 20, where Jesus promises the disciples, Lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That idea that Jesus is with me um, means that even no matter what hardship I go through, no matter what good times or bad times that we go through in life that i know he's with me you know if if i you know in seminary we were like i don't know maybe you've had this experience in college or something but seminary it was really bad we were eating like pot pies every day and we weren't eating them because um they were um you know delicious we were eating them because they were 50 cents a piece (laughs) you know (laughs) and and i gained so much weight it was so bad (laughs) anyways but but the thing is, is that I knew that God was with me in that hard time. I knew um, God uh, was with me, and so when you know that someone's with you, and and that nothing can ever take that away, nothing, no person, n- no um, any, you know, no organization, no government, no uh, individual, no one can take that away from you. It gives you a comfort and peace that makes it where you can serve, um, you know, and so. If people have that genuine relationship, and and I know I'm an odd duck to say stuff like this, I know people may not always experience God this way. But when I know that God's with me, even in those times that I'm alone, I know it's because I'm stepping away from God, not God stepping away from me. Hmm. And so I know that God's there with me all the time, and it gives me a comfort and a freedom to um, follow Him more boldly to to not worry. Um, to not worry all the time. And, 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 you know, as a pastor, it's a hard thing to not be a people pleaser, but if you follow God and, and you have trust in God, you want to be more loyal to God than you are to making people always happy. And so that's a very difficult thing, but um, you know, I, I want to honor God's word and I don't want to skip over sections just because they're difficult. Um, I want to go through them. And just knowing that he's with me uh, makes it where I can go through any hardship. And, 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 I'm not trying to be say I'm a hero or anything in any way, cause I went through stuff and, and, and I'm like, God, where are you at in this? Mm. But I knew that he was there. And so even in the darkness, I, I knew I could reach out and, and touch the light of Christ. And, and that's, that's something powerful. And that's something, um, that just goes beyond the, um, the worries of the world. And, and, and as I said, it's just something that gives me great comfort and peace.
0: Was your grandmother able to see you through this part of your faith journey?
1: Yes. My grandmother saw me become a pastor. Um, unfortunately, um, she had Alzheimer's really bad. So sometimes by that, by the point I got ordained. Um, so in her moments of, um, awakening, I guess she would, she kind of knew I was a pastor, but then there would be times when she, she didn't know, you know, um, she all, and, and one thing it's, it's amazing is she always knew, um, who I was even when I, when I shaved <laughs> this head, <laughs> she, she knew I didn't have the curly hair, or the thinning hair anymore. And, uh, she still knew it was me. And so, I mean, that was a blessing from God uh, that even through her walk with Alzheimer's and all that, that, that she still knew who I was. And so um, I consider that a blessing. And, and yeah, she got to see the fruition of her prayers. And um, um, I think that's, that's truly a blessing.
0: Bobby, we were talking off mic before we got started about uh, the importance of um, articulating in the best way that we can, where we see God present in the world today. And often when we talk about our faith, our faith journey, um, we are reflecting back into the past. But there are plenty of people like you, like a young Bobby, who have questions, you know, in the moment, in the day. Yeah. Um, So for whenever you encounter your doppelganger from the past, because I think... I don't think you, I know you're not alone. You weren't alone then. I imagine you probably felt it as a kid and teenager and young adult. What words would you use? How would you share with that individual that God is here with us in this very moment?
1: I I think you just have to meet people where they're at and listen. Um, So often um, we want to tell people about Jesus but we don't want to hear their story first.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. It's so true. <laughs>
1: I, I don't know how many people I've talked to. Like this is before I became a pastor. And because and, a lot of, you know, now that I've become a pastor, it's it's a lot different kind of thing. But, but before I became a pastor, you know, I would talk to people and I would listen to them. I've listened to people who were professed satanists and and wiccans and and you know I've talked to people um and I listened to them and I let them tell me what they got out of what they believed and then I told them what I got out of what I believed and you know I always tried to live my life as kind of like a servant leader and so when I worked at Pizza Hut and all through college I would do the, the the worst jobs. I would clean the bathrooms. I'd take the trash out and do things like that that nobody wanted to do. And I would do it and I would take other people's jobs. If they wanted to switch jobs, I'd take the worst jobs. Not because I thought I was special, but I, everything that I did, I wanted to do it for the Lord. And I wanted to try to have a cheerful spirit about it and people could see the difference. Um, you know. So when you can listen to people and hear them, really hear them, And then share what god has done for you i think it changes minds and it changes hearts and if they see you living it out that just cements it um you know i i I, i i have had a temper in my life and i have i have messed up my witness at times and um things like that but um but for the most part when i've been able to live for christ you know, it makes a change in people's lives. And, and I get them to think, I may not always be able to harvest the the plants, but I can always plant the seed. And, you know, I think the way we soften the soil is by listening to their story. Um, you know, um, I have an uncle who's an atheist and i listen to him and i let him say all the things that he had against the church and that he had against God. And, um, And then I didn't correct him. I just told him how I experienced God and, um, why I believe the scriptures and, um, you know, and he didn't come away, uh, walking away as a Christian, but he said, I wish more Christians were like you. And I took that to be a compliment. Um, you know, um, I think if we can get people to think and to, to know the experience that we have in Christ, I think it would change lives. When we have that genuine experience, it should come through all of our life. It should just bleed through us, you know. Um, it, should, it should be like our cup overflowing into every aspect of life.
0: I've never understood the faith sharing as something to shoulder as in to convince another person or group of people. But really, uh, the best I can do and offer is just point. Yeah. not in a finger-pointing, judgmental, but you know, here, here, here's what God is doing through Jesus in me and in others, and it may not be for that other person, but man, that takes that burden and that anxiety of, of saving, uh, off where I can just, um, show and talk freely about my limited mm-hmm. understanding of who God is and how God moves through the world and how that's heard or received, uh, whether it's transformative or ignored, I have no control over that. Right. None. Right. But, uh, and that's, that's how I see us sharing our faith in healthy and, um, yeah, healthy ways.
1: Right. I agree. Um, I, th- I think that's a good way to go about it. I mean, um, I can't remember his last name. I think his name's George. I think his name's George Hunter. Uh, he wrote this book called the Celtic way of evangelism. Yeah. And he talked about how we can kind of adopt people into groups, how the Celtic, they didn't, they didn't go out and try to go and stand on a corner, per se, and street evangelize, but they would go out in communities and and, and get people to come into their community, you know, and sometimes we often think of churches, this thing inside the building, um, you know, and here's this thing that's challenging us to live outside the building and, and to pull people in, you know, uh, just like I mentioned with the Roman Catholic kids, they all hung together at school and they kind of roped me into the group. And w- when we can make somebody who feels like they're on the outside, feel like they're inside and let them know that they're loved and and let them know a God of love. You know, um, I think, I think that's a great way to go about it. I, I agree with you on, on everything you just said. I mean, uh, I just think, you know, it's not about, um, proving that we're right you know and and i'm not saying that debate is bad i'm not saying that people like william lane craig and 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 other great speakers that they're wrong for having debates i find it actually astounding i don't think people nowadays have the attention span to watch those but (laughs) (laughs) but i really love watching the debates and and the thing is is that um you know i love when i hear atheists like um uh, Christopher Hitchens you know say you know I disagree with the people that I'm speaking with but they're genuinely nice people to me after the the meetings over they come up and and you know they they're nice to me and they're and they care about how I'm doing you know and Pingelet said um a similar thing Pingelet is a uh, is an atheist and um he was talking about how um uh, evangelical Christians, he goes, he goes, I may think it's crazy what they believe. He goes, and they really believe it. He goes, but they, they sure do care about people. Mm. And I hope, I hope <laughs> anybody who walks away from a Christian conversation, I hope they can say that, you know, I may not agree with them, but they sure do care a lot about me.
0: Yeah. I, and I think our posture plays into a lot of that conversation is different than debate. Yes. And I, I'm a big advocate of more talk, 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 conversation and and our posture physically. And I think inwardly is important as well. I need to be receptive of the person who's sharing with me and not just wait for my turn to speak, but but be receptive to what they have to share. And you know, you alluded to this early uh, in our conversation you gave the, the perception of God, and again, this was child Bobby, not adult Bobby, but that fear of God, and Jesus was the protector. And I found that really interesting. And then, then you experienced, you know, God, God is love. And I thought that was really, really neat. My upbringing was different, uh, but I know what you're talking about of a God to be feared. And a God of love, those are very opposing in some yes. ways. And to to make a leap from one to the other is really, really interesting. So people can have transformative experiences, I think, with even within the faith. <laughs> so not only just coming to the faith, but also within the faith as well.
1: Right. I mean, I think as an adult, I've kind of balanced it out. Um, Kenneth Collins was one of my uh, professors at Asbury, and I think he put it aptly. We worship a God of holy love. He is both pure, perfect, and holy, and he's also love. And And we can't take away that tension of God being both holy and loving at the same time. Mm. And I, I think that gives us more of a balance, you know.
0: Right. Well, and again, it's a relationship. Relationships yeah. among human yes. beings are complex. And yes. a relationship with the Almighty is complex as well. Oh, it's, absolutely. And it's usually absolutely. on my end that makes it complex. Oh, I
1: agree. That's how it is. All, I mean, for me anyway.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, bef- off mic, we were talking, um, we were just doing small talk before we got started. And you had mentioned Star Wars. I think this might be oh, yeah, a yeah. Good, good lead into... I like asking folks, you know, is there books or is there movies in your life recently, long ago that have impacted your faith, that have impacted your life?
1: Right. Well, and I think this will be good, too, because I threw a little mud at that little Baptist church that I I grew up in. But also, um, I had a high school football coach um, who was a Baptist, and and he's a Baptist minister now, um, who... um, was instrumental in getting me kind of into the faith. I mean, he may have not realized he was pushing me the way he would, or he probably wouldn't have been happy with the choices I made, but he was, <laughs> I mean, he definitely pushed me back towards the Christian faith. You know, um, I was in that time of questioning and doubt and I couldn't see how, you know, um, I'd always heard that culture is bad. So don't ever, you know, don't ever try to use things from culture to talk about God. Um from the church that i went to and then here's another here's another baptist gentleman on long bus rides back from um after playing football on the charter bus and uh or, or on the cheese bus whichever one and uh, he would have these long conversations about god and he would talk about movies and he would talk about well he would start off the conversation. Do you like Star Wars? I was like, Yeah. And he goes, Do you really love like the Empire Strikes Back? I'm like, Yeah, it's a really good movie. And he goes, Do you ever think about how you know like the Holy Spirit is kind of like the Force? Now he said, Of course, all of this stuff falls short of that, but he got me to thinking about how to view things in a Christian worldview. And and I um, have never um, let that go. I mean, um, and so when I watch movies, I watch them through the eyes of of my Christian worldview. Um, for example, signs is probably one of the worst alien movies there ever was, but it's probably one of the best movies about faith and God's sovereignty and things like that. I I mean, I don't know if anybody's ever seen signs, but if you haven't, it, you know, if you watch it for an alien movie, you have missed out. But if you watch it as a movie about faith, wow. You know?
0: So, um, All right, let's pause here for a moment. So Signs, M. Night, Shyamalan movie. It's got Mel Gibson in it. Yes. What's that fella's name? Phoenix. Joaquin Uh, Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Thank you. And I'm sure there are others. I hadn't seen this film in a long time. So uh, refresh my memory. What is it about that film that really resonates with you in terms of your faith? Because all I remember is aliens you can't see in cornfields.
1: Oh, you see that's, and that's the way if you, yeah. Okay. Well, all throughout the movie, there's all these characters have quirks. They have quirks. They have God given quirks. This little girl can't help but sit water out everywhere. She just sits it out everywhere. Um, There's this guy named Merrill, Joaquin Phoenix. It's his, uh, it's his uh, little brother and he lives with him. Every time he plays baseball, He swings, whether it's a ball, whether it's a strike, (laughs) whether it's even something that's hittable, he swings and his wife gets hit by a car and it's very tragic. And um, she gets pinned into the car and she tells him, she said, look and see. And she goes, tell Meryl when the time comes to swing away, you know, and she tells some other sweet things about her family and things like that. But you see God's providence in it. Like by the end of the movie, the only thing that can kill these aliens, which I don't know why they would invade a planet mostly covered in water, is water. And this little girl has set out water everywhere. This little girl has put water everywhere. And these things that has crashed his faith because his wife died and he couldn't handle it. He sees that God used her to give him this message to save his little boy. Who is dying of an asthma attack And it's just powerful. If you look at it through not the eyes of faith, it's just a stupid movie. It's the stupidest movie you could ever see. But if you look at it through the eyes of faith, it becomes something much more. And so when we look at things through the eyes of faith, you know, it becomes something very different. Um, just like um The Matrix. I, it's a very raunchy, movie series but it has very um christian themes throughout the whole thing and um i'll never forget i is i got like an a++ and the professor's like can i use this in future things but you know nobody likes the the third installment i haven't watched the fourth installment of the matrix but the third one you have neo who goes up against all these agent smiths and they've taken over everybody's bodies and the taint of evil has touched everybody, and the only way that he can touch everybody is to take that evil within himself, and then the light shines through everybody's eyes, and you see that, and it's like Gregory's baited hook. You know? um, he was a, 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 pope, a pope long in, back in the day, and he said, you know, um, at the cross, you really think Jesus is losing. Jesus has lost. He, the Romans have him up there. Satan has won, but in all reality in the death on the cross is the victory of Christ over death, hell, and sin. And so, you know, when we look at things just through the eyes of, of, of entertainment, we, we kind of miss some of these larger things, but when we look at them through the eye of faith, um, you know, and some things are more blatant than others. I mean, you know, you watch the Lord of the Rings, and you see that that the burden of this ring becomes something that that just destroys other people, and it becomes an overwhelming thing that pulls somebody towards darkness in the other. And you see, um, you know, Christian themes throughout the Lord of the Rings. You see Christian themes, and of course, the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, but, um, you know, even in our regular entertainment, things that may have not even meant to, to, to do that, they become this touching point, like Hollywood can't help, but tell stories that, that, that involve a redeemer that revolve, you know, that, that involve like the human story, touching these points of, of faith, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I really enjoy watching movies and listening to music and seeing where is God in that?
0: Yeah. So there there are aspects of culture through our books, through our art through movies and music that may not have a faith-based label or Christian uh theme and yet we can find God's presence in maybe even some of the most profane <laughs> things of entertainment
1: and, and that and that's possible and that's true I <laughs> I will have to say like, God has, has salted my soul a lot on that. I, I used to, I used to watch a lot of comedies and things. And, um, now anymore, uh, it just, um, the nudity and, and, and some of the disgustingness I, I can't watch anymore. So I will say that I do draw the line. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, <laughs>
0: Well, I, yeah, but I, mean,
1: we, I, I understand I'm, I may not be, you know, and that's where I'm at in my faith journey. I realize that some people can watch some things like and not be affected about it at all. But, you know, I, I couldn't watch Game of Thrones. I was sitting there. I fast forward through most of the episode because it's just basically pornography, you know, in a fantasy world. And I was like, I was like, I can't watch this. I was like, I, I tried because people told me it's so great. It's so awesome. And, and I I, I just, I, I wasn't into it.
0: Well, I think what we were discussing is that we can bring our understandings of God and our belief in God to even forms of entertainment. Yes. And, and, and even, right. even in the forms of entertainment, instead of being repelled or repulsed, we can find the presence of God in those Absolutely. things.
1: Absolutely. And as I said, I'm just saying where I'm at. You know, somebody else may be able to watch that and be like, you know, um, um, this person or that character, you know, reminds me of such and such, and mm-hmm. and 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 relate the gospel to somebody. Um, but you know, <laughs> I'm I'm just telling you where I'm at in my journey.
0: <laughs> right. uh, Bobby, I appreciate your time and uh, sharing your faith journey with me. Um, I hadn't heard it before, and um, so it's been a real privilege for me to hear God moving through your life. I look forward to hearing in the months and years to come how God continues to use you and take that gift of loyalty and your questions. It's carried you this far. <laughs> Let's <laughs> see. Let's see where else that loyalty to your friends your family and to God carries you in, in the time to come.
1: Thank you, TJ. May God bless you in this. I think this is an awesome Um, forum to reach
0: people. I've had fun, Bobby. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to The Cumberland Road. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or your favorite podcasting site. In our conversation, Bobby talked about how the confession of faith influenced him in becoming a Cumberland Presbyterian. In closing, I read to you from the Confession of Faith for Cumberland Presbyterians, section entitled Christian Freedom 6.01. Through Jesus Christ, God frees persons from the shackles, oppression, and shame of sin and sinful forces, from the guilt and penal consequences of sin, and enables them to have free access to God. This freedom, rooted in love, not fear, enables persons to become who God intends them to be, to bear witness to their Lord, and to serve God and neighbor in the vocations of their common life.